thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast. This is Lauren, and I manage the Adulting is Easy blog and podcast, which can be found at realadultingiseasy.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts. This week, we have another bonus episode for you. It is our Twitter Spaces recording from December 1st, 2021. Our usual hosts are there. That's I am Coach Clint, Stephen Wealthy, Tom the Frugal Gay, and myself. And we were joined by Nikki this week, who is an experienced flipper, as well as real estate investor. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, everyone, to Twitter Spaces. We do this every Wednesday at 9.30 Eastern. We pick a financial topic that we believe is of uh, interest for people. We talk about it, give you guys tips and pointers, or get a guest on here with us who can teach us all collectively how to get better at a particular aspect of personal finance. And tonight, I am super excited to have Nikki here with us. She's got her hands in a lot of different things, rental properties, an RV rental business, and also flipping goods. And Tom, who's our regular guest on, uh, uh, what do you call it, participant or with us on the panel every week, he also does a successful flipping business as well. So this is going to be almost like a head-to-head or have these two experts in the room teach us how to become better at flipping goods online. And so I'm super uh, excited to dive into this. We'll also give some time to Lauren, Clint, and myself to also talk a little bit about the side hustle incomes that we use to augment our active incomes that we have from our nine to five. So without any further ado, let's jump in. Um, We'll do a quick round of introductions and then uh, dive a little bit into uh, those side businesses that we do. So everyone, I'm I'm Stephen Wealthy. Um, StephenWealthy.com is the blog and website that I run and manage. Um, I'm also obviously online here with Twitter. Welcome Please follow me and um, DM me any questions that you might have regarding uh, cryptocurrency, uh, stocks, and also real estate. And from, from, from a personal background, I have a Bachelor of Commerce degree uh, that I got from uh, the University of Alberta. Uh, and I work as a self-employed IT consultant uh, for the last, well, since 2003. Big into cryptocurrencies, big into investing I'm a self-made millionaire through the self-employment and my investment strategy, and I like to share um, successful investment strategies with everyone. Uh, Lauren, do you want to go next? Yep, Steve, sounds good. Hey, everybody. I am Lauren Keen Almond. I am at Adulting is Easy. My blog and podcast can be found at realadultingiseasy.com. We are recording this, so this will be posted in a couple of days. Takes a little while to get the recording and edit it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. A little background about me. I have my bachelor's in finance, business finance. That is, I have a graduate certificate in personal finance because it's my passion. I really am a professional nine to five seller. My husband is a professional engineer. And then we have um, basically a short term rental business at this point. We have eight. No, we have six doors currently. We just sold two of them and we are closing on six more in a couple of weeks here. Looking forward to hearing mostly from Tom and Nikki today about flipping. Um, Clint, I think you will be up next. Thank you, Lauren. 
it's so exciting hearing the introductions and realizing how amazing the people that are, are my friends are in real life. We forget it when we're all just texting away in our group chat. Uh, love those intros. My background is I am a CFO of a real estate development company. I tweet about how you can be successful in life and grow your wealth. And I also talk about using your nine to five to grow your five to nine so that you can end your nine to five and do your five to nine full time. And for me, what that looks like is writing. I write uh, fantasy novels with my sister and also uh, host a podcast, The Pursuit of Learning. You can find it at thepursuitoflearning.com or any major podcast channel. And starting July 1st, I will be doing high-performance coaching. So those are the three things that are my side hustles, which will all become the main hustle when I retire in five years. Back to you, Steve. I love it. The main hustle. I like that. Don't call it a nine to five. Call it the main hustle. Tom, do you want to go next? And then we'll end with Nikki. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Tom Brickman. Um, I am the frugal gay here on Twitter and on Instagram. I am heavily invested in real estate. As of this morning, I have 16 doors in my portfolio. I am split between Dallas, Texas and um, Toledo, Ohio. I have a bachelor's in business administration. I bought my first duplex in Toledo, Ohio while I was getting that degree. So that's actually why I'm in that market. I am a huge side hustle enthusiast. I own a resale business called Cheap Cheap Closeout. Um, unlike Nikki, I mostly focus on eBay, and then I have local pickup, and then I resell to sellers, and I, I branch out with that. In addition to real estate and side hustle, I have a 9-to-5 job still, which I plan on transitioning away from before my 40th birthday, which will be next year. Nikki, I'm going to pass it over to you. Hi, guys. Okay, first of all, you guys are super impressive, and I truly do feel like I have imposter syndrome being on here. I am Nikki. Uh, I'm a mom to four rambunctious but awesome kids. I have my bachelor's in elementary education, and I have my master's in curriculum and instruction. I currently am a stay-at-home mom. Um, and that was never the plan. I never planned on it, hence why I went ahead and got my master's. Um, and I attempted to get my doctorate, but we decided that I should wait and just we should get through the first pregnancy to decide whether or not I really wanted to go through it. I'm glad I didn't because I no longer teach. We have three single family homes currently, and we just sold our fourth one that we rent out, and we have four apartment syndication deals that we've bought into. And I currently have two RV rentals as well that I manage. And I, I'm a reseller when I, when my kids let me. That, uh, I don't think you should have imposter syndrome. That is a pretty crazy list you have going on. Lauren, it looks like we dropped Steve. Are you able to add him back in? And while you're adding him back in, maybe you should go first and then we'll have uh, Steve rejoin. So I'll just go ahead and just share really quickly. As I said in the intro, my husband and I both have nine to five jobs and we have our short-term rental business as well. So our side hustle really is real estate and it is definitely hustling at this point because a short-term rental business really is a part-time job more so than a long-term rental business. I'm not saying that's not active as well. I've, I've done both. It certainly is, but there's a little bit of work every day that goes on 
in, um, you know, creating the short-term rental business. We have two cottages on our, we have our main house. We have two cottages in our backyard and our camper, and we rent all of those out on a short-term basis. We have a duplex on the water here in Florida, a little bit north of here. One of those is still long-term, and then we have one of those set up as short-term. And as I mentioned earlier, we are closing on six units in the next couple of weeks. We are currently stocking up on decorations and TVs, and we just got a storage unit today to start buying some furniture to get those ready to go. We estimate that we will be at a net income of around 80000 for those, and that would be in 2023, and that would be you know if everything goes well with the next six units. Um, so that's a pretty good side hustle income. We also have some stocks as well, and then our, our nine to fives. And with me being 32 and my husband being 29, we are looking to at least transition to part-time work in the next few years here. So that's it. I want to leave. Definitely, hey, shoot me questions. Um, Clint, I think at I am Coach Clint is going to be um, fielding our DMs tonight. Happy to answer any questions about real estate or short-term rentals specifically, but I want to keep uh, as much time as possible for those with uh, different kinds of side hustles tonight. Stephen, I'll kick it back to you. Welcome, Dividend Hero and FI Squirrel. Thanks for joining us, guys. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. I think what we'll do is we'll go through myself, Clint, Tom, and Nikki for our side hustles. Then we also want to hear from you guys what you do for side hustles and how you raise um, money on the side outside of your nine to five. So for myself, I have about five different income streams, uh, primarily... Uh, the one you're probably going to be most interested in is the Ethereum mining. Um, so I have six Ethereum mining rigs uh, with 36 GPUs. Um, I get a total of two gigahash uh, mining rate on that. You probably don't know exactly what that means or how that is, but it, it's substantial enough to make about $5,000 USD a month just from mining Ethereum. Um, and that'll be on about... $400 USD of electricity a month. I used to sell it into USD and put it into my bank account, but I'm turning so bullish on Ethereum that I'm not selling it. It's going deflationary um, and it's there's just so much upside to it. The utility is so massive with NFTs and the possibility of where things could go. So I've stopped selling all my Ethereum. I'm just holding it. So I mine Ethereum full time it's going 24/7 and i just hope hold it in my in my bag there and so um if you're interested in getting started with ethereum i have a pinned tweet on my profile i have a free starters guide if you have a gaming pc with a modern gpu in it graphics card it's likely you're sitting on a machine that could make between 5 and 10 dollars us dollars every single day and uh, the guide steps you through step-by-step step how to set it up and get it running. Again, it's free. Just go to my pinned tweet, download the guide, and you're off and running. If you have any questions, need any assistance, DM me. Happy to help you out. And this Saturday, my new blog post is about how to value a new GPU. So if you don't have enough computational power right now in your gaming PC and you want to buy a new one, I step you through just how to value a new GPU or a new gaming PC. So if you have any questions, DM me. Ethereum mining, I think, is fantastic, and there's a lot of upside. And uh, that's that's my primary side hustle. Clint, over to you. All right. Thanks, Steve. 
So the uh, I, I left out in my introduction, uh, like a few of the people mentioned, I am also involved in real estate. I have eight doors currently, including our single family home. Market value is sitting at approximately $9 million and about $1.2 million between stocks and uh, real estate lending. And I tend not to think of that as, as side hustling, oddly. I just think of that as, as my investments. From a side hustling perspective, what I would look at for me is I have a retirement goal in five years, but I have a fear of running out of money. And so that fear is also tying to never wanting to not work in life. So trying to build a machine that will let me work at what I love doing. And what that looks like so far is I've finished a first book in a fantasy series I'm writing with my sister, pursuing agents right now. So I'm writing query letters at night and on the weekends to find an agent. I host the Pursuit of Learning podcast. I launched in April. We now have 30 episodes, and that's been growing pretty steadily. And I will start coaching July 1st, probably keep it down to about four to five uh, clients. I've uh, been chatting with Aaron, who I see in here tonight, about uh, starting to set up a funnel for that uh, midway or in Q2. So what I write about is thinking about what you want in the future, having a plan to get there, and then doing it. So that's what I'm doing for my life is driving those three things. The last thing I, I wouldn't do until after I retire, which is private equity and buying small businesses and growing them and uh, cash flowing them, etc. So I will pass it over to Tom. Okay, guys. So I own, as of this morning, 16 doors. So I do collect rent from 16 people. In addition to um, collecting rent from 16 people, um, I love to turn my rentals into, like I, I sold a rental to a tenant and they are now a um, property owner and they pay me instead of the bank. So I love to do land contract deals with some of my properties. And I did one of those earlier this year. So I collect rent from 16 people. I have a 17th source of income coming in from the property that I sold off. And then one of my favorite ways to make money is flip merchandise. And I wanted to kind of hone in. I focus, I'm not an Amazon seller. I'm an eBay seller. And I started in college. I found a shopping cart full of diesel purses at a closeout store. They were real diesel purses from Neiman Marcus. They were a dollar fifty a piece. I bought the whole shopping cart and I rolled it right up to the cash register, checked out, and then I sold them two at a time on eBay. And I paid for a semester of college this way. Uh, Lauren just shared a box of makeup that I bought earlier this year. It was hundred bucks for the box that I bought at a flea market. And this box of makeup worked out to about fifteen cents a piece. And and on average, I sold all of that for at least a dollar a piece when I bundled it and sold it on eBay in twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen rather. I I bought a property in Dallas in a really good neighborhood. It's a little one bedroom, tiny condo, super duper beat up. But I bought it in cash with money that I bought, that I made from selling bras. Um, I had just started dating my husband at the time, and I found a tremendous deal on bras in Ohio. And we drove up and we drove an entire truck full of bras down to Texas. And I had my mom sourcing bras and I had my dad 
going after work to get me more bras. And we just, we had a, a, a system and we peeled clearance stickers off. The, the, the bras worked out to $2 a piece for us was the average price. Some of them were a little bit less, but when you averaged them all together, they were $2. And we sold those for $8 a bra. And those ended up buying this condo in 2016. So I use my resale money and, and I focus on really just discontinued stuff. I don't have a threshold of, I, I always want to double, but that's kind of a minimum. Um, I'm selling a ton of makeup right now, a ton of discontinued colognes, a ton of, we shipped out clothing this morning, scarves this morning, makeup this morning. So we kind of do a little bit of everything, but whatever I pick up, I'm not looking at, 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 at the smaller margins. I'm not selling the bigger items. I love selling makeup and bras and all the stuff that's super easy to ship and doesn't break and the stuff that's super expensive or I'm sorry, inexpensive. So if I have an item that's lost, like the most expensive thing I sell is I have a $38 bottle of perfume and that's my cost and I sell them for $200. So if that gets lost or I have a problem with eBay, I'm not crying over the $38 that I lost uh, on that sale. And that does happen. And that's part of reselling. And there are times where you have a signature confirmation and you, you know, an item's been delivered, but the seller will still dispute it with eBay. So that's part of it. And that's worked into my, into my profits. Um, so, so flipping really is one of my passion projects. I, I source merchandise regularly. Uh, this evening we went and mailed some packages and we went over to a, a store called Ollie's. They're all around the U.S. They're a discount store. I don't know that they're in Canada, but they are a publicly traded company. And we were just in there. I, I had a, a coupon and we were just walking around and we go down the toy aisle. And it's funny because there's a guy in the toy aisle and he's using his Amazon app just to start scanning products and and it's funny you could tell he found a good one because he went up front and he got a cart and he just like wiped all these boxes of toys into his cart because he's obviously another flipper so there's opportunities everywhere i have um a friend that just started flipping and she just focuses on walmart clearance so there's opportunities everywhere you look you just have to look for them i get stuff from flea markets i use coupons i i mean i source wherever I can, but I focus on the low dollar stuff. I'm not a shoe flipper. I'm not, um, Nikki's going to talk about all the, the toys and the, the fourth quarter merchandise that she's flipping right now. I focus on the, on the discontinued stuff. The, these scents that I bought for $38 and sell for 200 were discontinued two years ago. And I just sat on them. When I buy stuff, I'll, I'll usually sit on it for a while. I have a, a guest house in the back of my house that I use for storage and I just focus in on, on the discontinued stuff. Uh, Nikki, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you because you're like a whole different league of flipper, and I can't wait to hear your story. No, you, you're too kind, Tom. Okay, so first and foremost, I identify as a mom. Um, that is my main my main identity at this season in my life. Um, so I really, uh, I guess, coined myself as an opportunistic reseller. Um when it's convenient, that's when I do it. Um, when I'm at the grocery store, when I go to Walmart, um, I'll go down the grocery aisle. And then in order to get the kids to behave while I'm trying to do a week's worth of groceries, I tell them that we can go to the toy aisle right after. And so once we get our groceries, we go to the toy aisle and then I start scanning items. Um, 
So that's one way. And that's typically for my Amazon purchases um, where I'm reselling there. But then I also, I don't do, like Tom, he does the closeouts um, and does eBay. I haven't had much luck with eBay. I just cannot seem to get their shipping um, down to where I feel comfortable with it. Um, And I feel like their algorithm really... um, uh, it really works for people who allow free shipping. And I haven't figured out with the items that I'm reselling, I haven't figured out a way to make it profitable for me. Um, so when I'm not doing Amazon, I'm doing a lot of home good items um, that I'm then reselling locally or on Facebook Marketplace. And how I get those items, I am either at Goodwill or I, again, I use Facebook Facebook marketplace for so much, I will end up searching um, free just in the search terms. I don't know if you've ever done it, but when you're looking for things, I'll just search free and then I'll put, I'll put my um, search location as local and people are just giving away things. I mean that, you know, that's saying one man's trash is another man's treasure. It's my treasure. Um, I have absolutely no shame. I can't tell you how many times the kids I've, so I've got four car seats in the car and I've pushed and moved their car seats and it's legal. I still, again, I'm still a a mom first and foremost. So I make sure that they are safe. That's my top priority. But the amount of times that I've had them change seating positions in order to put in a table that I see on the side of the road or something, because I'm not like when it comes to a lot of items, I really, I don't want to tap in on our budget in order to source things. I, if I can get it for free, that's, that's my jam. Like that's what I want. We have every year, we have large item pickup. My neighbors love to give away good stuff. And so I will take out all of my car seats. Um, I'll even take my husband's car if I feel like I have more space. Um, And I'll have him watch the kids and I will go around the neighborhood. I have absolutely no shame. I'll go around the neighborhood. I'll ask the neighbors, hey, do you mind if I take this before you put it out? Um, And then I list it on Facebook Marketplace and then I get it. It's all profit. Again, yeah, I'm opportunistic reseller. Um, and basically the reason I do this is because the main hustle is real estate. Um, so if I can earn any extra money that can go towards these real estate deals, like that's my main goal. So that's pretty much it. Hey, Nikki, will you you tell us a little bit about, so you are doing Amazon exclusively now with, with all the smaller stuff. Can you tell us, so you're not shipping anymore. You're shipping it to Amazon. They're fulfilling it. Is that correct? So I have a couple items. Um, I, so first of all, I tried, I've been reselling on Amazon for about a year and a half. Um, I tried FBA, which is fulfillment by Amazon. That is where the person ships everything to the Amazon fulfillment center and then Amazon ships it out to the buyer. Um, I tried that very half-assly last year without even really doing my research. I should have known better. Um, I didn't do proper packaging. I, I got a lot of items stranded, um, sent back to me. I lost a lot of money. Um, so my heart wasn't in the game yet, but, and then, so I decided, okay, FBA was too much. I wasted way too much money. I lost too much, too many items. Um, so I'm just going to do FBM, which is fulfilled by merchant. So basically that means that when someone, like if you look at the buy now options, you can see, um, see other buying options and you see all of these other different, um, sellers selling that item. Well, that is typically the, a lot of them you'll see the fulfilled by merchant. 
And that's where the merchant actually ships the packages that you're buying, not from Amazon warehouse, but from the actual merchant's home or their warehouse. And I started doing that. And then as Q4 was approaching, it got to where I just couldn't mom the way I wanted to um, because I was taking hours to package these items and send them, especially with international. I was using DHL and sending to Canada and Mexico. And basically, I wanted my box to be as small as possible so that my shipping costs could be as little as possible so that I could have more profit. And it just it turned out to be too much time. And so I finally decided that I was going to just go all in and do FBA for about 95% of my items. I still have a few things that I send FBM. Um, like one of the things um, are Oreos. I've got some Lady Gaga Oreos that I'm selling for $45 a pack that I can't, I can't make that profit selling them FBA, but I can sell them in Canada, only in Canada for some reason. Um, those Lady Gaga Oreos are pretty, pretty popular there. I don't know why, <laughs> but I'm using it over here. So, are, are you ordering those, Stephen? Is that what's happening? Yeah, I, I, I can't get <laughs> enough of those. <laughs> so, where, where, yeah. where? Okay, hold, hold on. Yeah, I'm on a car <laughs> the middle man here. Yeah, FI squirrels. Like, yeah, we can't get enough of these. Where, where are you getting them for so cheap? Because we have to pay the forty five dollars a. <laughs> At Walmart. So no, those were one of those deals. Like right now I'm holding on. And it's one of those where I spent 20 bucks on 10 packs of Lady Gaga Oreos and was like, I'm going to hold them. Um, and we'll, and I'm going to list them in Canada and Mexico. And I'm going to list them for 45 bucks and see what happens. And they're selling. And now I only have three left. I'm sad that I only spent 20 bucks, but that's it. Hold was on. You're, you're buying them for two. You bought them for $2 a box. $2 a box. Yeah, just a Walmart, just a regular, because they're, they're just a regular, just, you know, Walmart, and you're flipping them for 45, 45 bucks. Now, apparently they're, I, you know, and what's funny is I've yet to open a pack because I just can't since oh, I know, know that you definitely can't, there. you definitely can't. That's a, that's a, <laughs> I, I open, I open my pack. You, you don't want to, you don't want to waste the sale don't don't waste your when i opened my pack i was disappointed and i didn't buy them from you i bought i bought them local at, at kroger but um okay. yeah don't waste that two dollars okay good, good nikki do you so hearing you do that with the oreos when something like the mcdonald's bts uh sauces are out do you stock up on something like that and then resell those for high dollar no, I haven't done that. Okay. I haven't. Um, I kind of, so, so I haven't done that, but right now I took a chance and spent another 20 bucks on the Pokemon Oreos. Um, so, and I've listed those, but right now they haven't sold, but I imagine it took a couple months for the Lady Gaga ones. So when they're, when they're available, right, that's when they're not selling. Um, but when they're no longer available, uh, that's when the demand's high. So it's one of those, like, I just have to know that I'm going to sit on those and the expiration date. I make that very clear and people still want them. There are still collectors out there that are going to want them. Um, and I figure worst case scenario there is I've, you know, 20 bucks and I, there's worst case scenario. If I don't sell them, I know my four kids are going to eat them. So I I'll, dev I won't waste my money there. Nikki, how do you know what to price things at? So I guess it depends on the item. So if I, 
if I'm doing the more the home items versus Amazon, I'll go there first. If I'm doing the home items, I will basically since Facebook Marketplace is my main platform that I sell on, I will just search Marketplace and I'll look at the trends and I'll look at the prices. Um, and I'll see what everything else is going for, for market price. And that's typically where I follow that. Um, if I know that it's an item that is in high demand, I'll price higher. I have nothing but time and space. So in my mind, especially since I'm not really, like, for the most part, I'm not spending more for the home items. I'm not spending more than $10 an item. So I, I don't feel like me holding it, I'm out too much. I just look at the market price and I am really hoping, like when I'm spending $10 an item, I'm hoping to triple triple that. Now, but when it comes to Amazon, Amazon's different because I am basically scanning. I, I, I was listening to Tom say that he saw the, another reseller scanning the items and Based on what Amazon's fees are and based on the ranking of how they sell, that's how the pricing is. And based on how I price it is whether or not I actually have the ability to get the buy box. And if I don't have, so if I price something too high and you hit the buy now option, you're not getting it from me. I lose that ability to get the buy box if my item is way too high. So I have to, if I price it high because I know what it'll eventually get there, I have to be willing to just wait it out. Now it does stink though, because there are a lot of people that like to tank the buy box and they don't want to wait. They don't have the patience. And so it's, they're just tanking it and it's getting lower and lower. And if they would just wait and sit on their items, everyone could profit from it. Thanks, Nikki. Uh, you're, you're saying some things that I don't really truly understand, the, the taking the buy box and stuff like that. But before we before we get any further into that, I wanted to give FI Squirrel, did you want to share any thoughts or insights? I'm curious, man, anything that you do as a side hustle or income that you have that you found a lot of success with? Hello, everyone. My name is FI Squirrel, and I have hey, a side hustling addiction. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I've been side hustling my whole life but after hearing you guys man i am an amateur you guys are so impressive from paying tuition with oh what was it you purses with some some purses to bras to lady gaga oreos like i feel like i'm doing it all wrong now i i'm the kind of guy that likes to side hustle with my labor i'm i'm literally hustling and exhausting myself and i hear what you guys are doing and i'm just so blown away so at this point in life i've i've been scaling back covid's been kind of a great year to slow my life down with family uh so at this stage i still uh referee lacrosse i still time keep hockey those ones i do because i really like them they're they're physical activity, running around, get paid. It's enjoyable work. I don't really need to do anymore, but I still can't stop. I just love doing that kind of stuff. And then uh, a big one we've been doing as a family just recently since October. Uh, my wife's been home the last like six or eight months and we started doing Rover. I don't know if anyone's done much with Rover. It's not exactly a cash cow, but it's something that has had a ton of benefits for our family in the sense that my wife has like a little new companion dog friend almost every day of the week. Uh, we do dog daycare. We do dog boarding. My kids get these revolving doors of these 
really cute dogs to hang out with. We're going for family walks like once or twice a day. And my wife's been making about 500 bucks a month doing it. So it's been something that maybe if you want to teach your kids about side hustling, it's a really fun and easy thing to kind of get their feet wet and just try something a little more fun and, and, and interesting. Beyond that, I do financial coaching uh, on the side. Uh, I think if anyone's heard me speak before, I don't make a ton of money doing it more by choice. I have a hard time charging people money when I'm trying to help them save money. But there's avenues within what I do that I can make some extra money. I, I work with a really good mortgage broker and I send him referrals when people need a good mortgage and he gives me a slice of his commission or um, I can place some life insurance when they need to replace their bank mortgage insurance. I'll set them up with a proper policy, stuff like that, where I can, it can be mutual benefit, mutually beneficial where I get paid, but I'm still doing the, the people right. And they're not paying me directly. Um, those are kind of the, the current ones I do, but yeah, I, similar to you guys, I've spent my life kind of as an opportunist looking for just money sitting on the sidewalk, easy to grab where you can, uh, I laugh really hard about the free parade on pickup day. Cause I'm the same way when it's large item pickup day, I will go for a dog walk that night <laughs> and I'll go scoping everything. And then in the cloak of darkness, I'll go out and go back with my SUV and pick up all the things that I like and uh, either fix them up and sell them or just sometimes they're honestly good enough just to sell. I, my wife likes to do kind of furniture flips where we fix things up, put a new fresh coat of paint or stain. And it's been really fun doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I, uh, I'm excited to hear more ideas from tonight and I'm incredibly impressed with you guys. I honestly feel like I've been doing it all wrong and I'm excited to hear some more. FI squirrel. Did you share in there how old you are right now? Sorry, one more time. Did you share how old you are as you start to, you were mentioning winding down, slowing down. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm the ripe old age of 33. Oh my god! <laughs> so I'm not I'm not you're that old, but uh, and you're starting to slow yeah, down. I, I, I lived a, I lived a very different different 20s than a lot of my friends. I uh, I don't drink. I stopped drinking when I was like 21 or 22, and I'd still go out with friends and still go to the bar. But I was working full time during university, working two or three jobs my whole life. I've I've been a, a workaholic, and my wife kind of knew that when she got involved with me but as we had one and now two kids she's been begging me to pump the brakes and slow down and uh, I think she's right now is the time where I I've, I've done a lot of those really really hard years and maybe I need to take a page out of some of your guys's books and stop trading my hours and try and find ways that I can do something without having to be uh, away from the family that that's beautiful we talked about it last week with uh, when you have the skill set you have, stop looking at how do you trade your hours for dollars and how do you instead sell the value that you can bring to other people and and yeah. charge the value versus the uh, hourly rate. So it'd be beautiful to see you do that and be able to slow down and be with the kids. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing. That. Yes. Thank you for having me, guys. Oh, yeah. No, thanks for joining us, man. It was just... Um... I just I have a million questions for you too, but it, we gotta let you go. And thank you for stopping by, FI. To Tom and Nikki, I want to know how to get started with flipping. So I've never done it before. I've never sourced a product, found a product that I think I could sell. Like I'll find a good deal, but I have no idea 
oh, I could flip this for double or I could flip it for triple or and the Lady Gaga. Like, if I saw the Lady Gaga cookies, I'd be like, okay, cool, two, three bucks, take them home and eat them. I want to get started. How? What's kind of the first five or so steps that I should follow to get started? Nikki, I'm going to go first, okay? Okay. Um, so for me, I am scanning stuff on eBay. My husband has the Amazon app and I, we look at what's selling and we can find good deals. Like you just said all day long, but if nobody's buying it, there's no point in picking up that item. Okay. So, no, so, so what do you mean by that though? So you have eBay on your phone. He yeah. has Amazon on his phone. You guys are going around to different yeah. stores scanning stuff. Yeah. We'll go, uh, we'll go to the flea market. We'll go to different stores. We only like to buy new merchandise. We don't like to buy stuff with the expiration date. We just bought a pack of lady Gaga cookies for ourselves. We did not try and sell those, but that's very smart. Nikki, I wish I would have bought more back then, but we start scanning stuff. And I mean, it can be as simple as you go down the clearance aisle at Walmart and see what they're discontinuing and you can go you know i'm i'm real big on discontinued scents discontinued makeups and just scan them and there's a huge market for discontinued scents from bath and body works from abercrombie from i i stay away from the designers because i like to sell or i like to buy the cheaper stuff but all these discontinued scents there's such a aftermarket and such a big markup on them so i mean you could start and i never there was someone that DM'd me that said, I want to buy this palette. Should I do it? And I'm not going to encourage anyone to go into debt to start this. So I'm going to start you small, just like I did with a shopping cart full of diesel purses that were $1.50 because that was a $150 investment for me uh, when I bought them. I'm not going to tell you to go for pallets. And I can tell you guys, I've bought pallets. There's a resale um, shop called Bulk, and I've lost lots of money on it. But I've also bought resale pallets from Bulk and made a lot of money on it. And I've bought resale pallets and it was a Lowe's return pallet. And then I used all the ceiling fans in a renovation that I was doing. So there's money to be made there. But if you're starting out and you want to throw $400 at something, I'm not going to tell you to try and dig yourself into debt to start. Cause it just, it didn't work for me. And I, I, I wouldn't want to steer you in the wrong direction if you're getting started. So Tom, let's, let's take a different angle because you know, some of us are a little crazy and like to dive pretty deep into things. Uh, I just messaged uh, Steve how I'm buying a miner because I got to learn how to mine properly. Uh, let's say I, j- I do want to dive in deep. How might your advice change for me? I mean, so earlier this year, I bought a, a pallet of Nike gloves and I am selling them very slowly, but I am selling them for 50 or $60 a piece and I paid about $6 a piece. So you just have to take in your time into consideration and your storage. Can you store those those gloves somewhere without spending extra money? How long are you willing to sit on those gloves? Because I'm going to sit on these gloves for over a year. Some of the makeup that I've been selling is going for over a year. So you have to, if you want to dive in, you just have to factor in how much does it cost to store it? How much does it cost to sit here in my house? How much am I paying for this, you know, $6,000 pallet of gloves? And am I okay paying myself back slowly over time? If you have the space and you have the time, I mean, I if you're not digging yourself, I can never encourage anyone to put themselves into debt 
Um, I like what uh, Nikki does because uh, the other day she she went and she was running out of her return window for Easy Bake Ovens, so she hauled them all back to Walmart and returned them because she was running out of her her return window. So Nikki has a very unique approach where she's not spending a million dollars and trying to, you know, stuck with an item. I'm stuck with these gloves if they sell or not. And there are items that I have definitely lost money on. And I just say F it. And I take them all to, um, we have two places that we like to donate to here in Dallas and they have definitely gotten a whole bunch of stuff that has not worked for us. So, you know, you have to know your product and I'm going to be with these gloves for at least a year but I am making money from them. So yeah, a, a question for you because I'm just, uh, I heard some numbers there and I did some quick mental math. It sounded like you said you're selling them for 50 to 60 bucks. Yeah. You bought them for five to six bucks. So yes. you're about, you're about 10 X on them. And I thought I heard you say you spent $6,000 on that pallet. Yes. Am I, am I right? So, so, so hold on a second, a $6,000 pallet of gloves that you're going to sell for $60,000. But how long is it going to take me to move them no, up? And, 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 and then like, oh, wow. cause, cause I've, beautiful brother. I've bought pallets. Uh, we had, um, a return pallet of bras, uh, a discontinued pallet of bras. And there's times where I'm just done looking at the bras because I refuse to pay for storage and I just donate everything because I need it. I can't look at any more bras. I can't, you know, we bought a big, gigantic Tom's deodorants this past summer and we sold the shit out of them. But every single one we shipped out by the time it made it to the recipient was melting. And I had to keep refunding all these deodorants. And I'm like, I don't want to mess with these deodorants anymore. So there are things that I have bought and totally lost money. I didn't lose money on the Tom's deodorants. But at a point, I was just so over the Tom's deodorants that I didn't even donate them. I just tossed them because even if I tried to donate them, they're going to melt by the time they... Tom's doesn't have... It's a different type of deodorant. So I, yes, I have that potential to make that, but I don't know how long it could take to sell all of these. And I will say this, certain team because they're teams gloves, certain teams are selling like crazy, and then there's certain teams that nobody wants to buy. So this could be a, a dud. It's not we're not near break even yet from what I have sold. So that's always the gamble there with w when I do pallets. You're clarifying a lot of assumptions that I had because when I see guys on Twitter flipping Nikes or flipping whatever the item might be. And they're talking about how I bought this for 60. I'll flip it for 200 a piece. And this is going to be 20 grand. Okay. So you, you're, you're sitting on these for a while. So you're buying them and storing them. I mean, you'll, you'll list the ad right away. I would assume, right? You're not most like, of, yeah, most of them for a year before you sell. No, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, some of it, like everything that I bought from bath and body this summer won't get listed till March. Cause I have to wait for the other resellers to sell through it. So it's binned up and it's just waiting to be listed, but I'm not listing it right now because everyone has it for cheap right now. So some of it I'll sit on for a while. I don't understand that. Why, why do you, why do you want to sit on Why don't you just start listing it? Because if, as, as it gets older, it gets more expensive because nobody has it then. So as the price fall, you know, the, the perfume that I'm selling for $200 a bottle got discontinued two years ago. 
you know, if you sold it a year ago, you could get 99 bucks for it, but I'm getting 200 bucks a, 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 a piece for them. And I was buying them yeah. for, for $20 a bottle. Tom, what I'm hearing there is you're focused more on your ROE than your IRR. So you're, you're, you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, uh, company X was selling a pallet or two, three pallets of this scent and it's discontinued. I bought one of those pallets. I'll let the other two clowns go first and sell them at, <laughs> at 15 bucks. And then when it's my turn, I'll raise it to $30 because I'm the only person left. I, I, am I hearing that right? Yes, that's totally my, my focus. Minus the, minus the clowns part because I'm <laughs> No, no, that's accurate. Wait for the clowns to go first. Okay. So, so, and then you said you had like a house uh, in the backyard. So if I went back there, walk me through it. Am I when I walk in? Am I seeing like? Am I like? Oh, you have a warehouse. You you have a store. It, like it, you're... It's a four hundred square foot guest house, and it is packed. And if I can't fit it in there, it can't come home with us. That's our rule. And like right now, we have all of the bins out for all of our winter stuff that was stored from last year. So all the discontinued pajamas, all the scarves, gloves, hats. That's what I'm selling right now. And I'm always buying out of season. So all that stuff I was buying in July because nobody wants flannel pajamas in July. So I'm getting those for $4 a piece. The scarves and the hats, those are 50 cents a piece. So we kind of rotate through and just, you know, we have our holiday stuff. So we, ha we have certain, you know, the bath and body stuff that I bought last year in January is the stuff that I'm selling right now and and selling through and then kind of i try and do um or once or twice a year where i'll just mark it down to at what i paid or lower just to clear it out i have some resellers that'll come in and they'll literally bring box trucks and just kind of you know i just need a, a a fresh start a clean sweep and get it all out of my house so i can move on to the next thing it's incredible man okay so i want to start this week i don't want to go into debt like you just said uh i want to avoid the all in. I just want to do an easy one to start off with. What's one thing I would buy this in the next seven days? Am I, and, and, am I going to buy it and then I'm going to hold on to it for six months for the summer? Or yep. am I going to wait till next Christmas? No, definitely not. Nikki, you should take this one because I know you do a lot of the toys and, and that kind of stuff. Well, okay. So I guess it depends on what you're looking what you're looking to buy. So for example, like with Amazon, a lot of the items that I sell on there are Legos. There are Legos that I know are about to be retired. And so those are going to be the ones that I'm going to hold in my walk-in closet. Um, because once they are retired and there's not in stock, that's when the demand is up and that's when I can get the most for my money. But then there are Legos that are available on lego.com they're available on target they're available on walmart and amazon but a lot of people tend amazon seems to be the one place that people go to it doesn't even matter it it actually baffles me when i think that i because i do a lot of online arbitrage which is simply never leaving my house because again being a mom and just it being convenient never leaving my house and getting on target.com looking at the different legos and having them shipped to me and uh, the picture that you can see that lauren shared um these boxes so this is from walmart um walmart and kohl's and buying legos from them and then listing them on amazon for more than i bought them 
And only because people tend to just do a lot of their shopping on Amazon because of the two-day prime delivery. I think it depends on the item. It depends on the season. Right now, my main focus when it comes to Amazon it, and being Q4 is toys. Um, and that's just because it's what I'm comfortable with. I did my first order of clothing from Kohl's. Uh, it hasn't come in yet. And I will list them because it is winter clothing. And since we're coming into that season, I figure I'll try it out. Um, but that's kind of out of my comfort zone. So we'll see how that goes. I do know that I started stocking up on Walmart clearance toys um, last January um, with the purpose of sending them or um, sending them into FBA or trying to sell them on Amazon during this Q4. So I'm finally offloading a lot of the items that have been sitting in my closet or all around the house um, since January. I have a question, guys, about time. Yeah. How much time are you spending on these things, especially when it comes to shipping and the logistics of that? Because they're, like, I got a new laptop from work in July and like I shipped the old one back like this week like mm -hmm. I hate that stuff so yeah. that's what that's what I always that's like kind of always a hang up for me personally so that's been and I know with Tom and eBay he'll be able to talk about that but that has been my biggest push right now since I, Q4 I've been focusing more on Amazon um, I've kind of taken my home goods and Facebook marketplace stuff I've kind of put that at the back burner for now um, because Amazon, being able to spend two, three hours in a day and have what, like today, I think I sent 177 items into Amazon. So it was how many boxes, uh, maybe eight huge boxes into FBA and they will sell the 177 items for me and they'll pack them and they'll ship them. And I just get to see, you know, every item being sold and I can just see the money coming in. But prior to that, I mean, there were days where I was spending, I mean, embarrassingly, I was spending five to eight hours just packing boxes and telling the kids to hold on, watch another TV show just so that I could get it done. So I kind of feel like FBA fulfillment by Amazon is going to be my thing from here on out simply because of the time. I'm not trying to trade my time for money as much, you know? Yeah, that makes sense because I, so we are, like I said, loading up for our new six unit and we're flipping like three units from long-term to short-term right away. So I took like three different trips today, one at lunch, one right after work and one in between like a five thirty coaching session and this. And so like, I'm going all over the place. I'm getting great deals. Like you wouldn't believe the deals I'm getting, but the logistics of if I really, if I wasn't keeping this stuff, if I wasn't just trying to keep, get a good deal on these things, on these, the lamps and the TVs and the beach nautical decor that I have, right? How long would it then take me to sell it? And how long do I have to sit on it? And that's the thing. It's just, I don't, I love doing, I love shopping for this stuff, but there's some satisfaction in that I'm keeping it and it's yeah. going on my walls for people to be in my STR and look at. Yeah. Well, and I've recently, I, I was doing a lot of retail arbitrage, which going into the stores and buying the items when it was convenient for me. So when I was going grocery shopping or after I, there's a Walmart right near my daughter's preschool. So after I dropped her off, I would go over there. 
Um, but that's all, always hit or miss. And so, you know, sometimes I'm wasting my time going to two or three Walmarts for an item that I don't know if it's going to be there. And you can, you know, you, know, you can look online ahead of time and see if it's in stock, but it's never accurate. Um, so I've started really shifting my reselling and sourcing to online arbitrage. And I've tweeted a couple times where like I have, they put these maximum orders. And so it's, you know, 10 Legos um, per order. So I will do my best and do 10 orders of 10 Legos and just cross my fingers and see if it works. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I never had to leave the house. So while my kids were doing their homework or while they were doing something, I was just adding things into my shopping cart and my my credit card saved there. So, you know, the amount of time spent doing OA is so much less than doing the retail arbitrage and actually going to places. It actually is making it more worth my time doing it this way. And that's something, Lauren, that that we're kind of getting away from. So um, recently I posted a picture of a, a palette of nail polish that we had bought a few years ago. We bought it for like 200 bucks. And I said, if you could spend $200, and turn it into 5000 would you? And there was a huge debate on the post. Bec- and, and that's what it was. We ended up with about 5000 Once we broke it all down, they were holiday nail polishes. It took us a year to sell through them because we were selling them at $0.50 cents a piece. But we made back our 5000 and we're starting to transition away from the, the smaller dollar items. When it was broken down, we really only spent about six or eight hours when we got the palette just cleaning them up, sorting all the different colors, and then getting the listing up, but it did take a year for us to move all of those holiday nail polishes. And then, and then Clint, back to your original question, at the end, I was just like giving nail polish to anyone that would take it because I was done looking at nail polish. That time question is a really good question, and that's something that I'm working on because I do spend a lot of time picturing the items, um, getting the listings up, sourcing the right merchandise. Uh, there's time that goes into this and you have to really look at your time as money and say do i want to do this and is it worth my time to list this picture it put it up and, and and get the money back from it so that's something we are working on in 2022 for sure and tom that's one thing so quick um that's one thing that with ebay i can't seem to figure out because when it comes to shipping so ebay versus facebook um with facebook when i'm listing things it's so much easier because it gives me ranges of item weight and it doesn't ask me to put in dimensions for boxes so they they do have like a maximum, like it can't be more than so many cubic feet. I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but I I know the items that I'm selling aren't going to hit that max point. So all I have to do is take the pictures, write the description, put the price, and then weigh the item. And then I'm golden, like it's good there. But then with eBay, I can't seem to figure out how to properly do it and then do free shipping because then it wants the proper, it wants the dimensions. And so taking the time to take that item, put it in a box that I think it would work, you know, for the best pricing. Like I, I don't know how to do that yet. Um, can you shed light on that? So we, I mean, that's why we stick with bras and makeup. We ship these small items. We do free shipping okay. on everything and we have such okay. a gigantic profit on most of the makeup, uh, the makeup, especially some of the makeup that I'm selling for $39 a piece 
it is a dollar fifty that I paid for it. So when I'm selling this discontinued shade of a wet dry foundation, I don't really care what the shipping is because I have okay. such a huge profit. So and then we have like three main envelopes, three main boxes that we ship from. So we, you know, as I'm listing, I know that that's going to go in a priority flat rate envelope. I know that this is going to, you know, I've lost money a few times when I've done the bigger items, when I've tried things with the Legos or, or board games or heavy gift sets because of the shipping. So I totally get what you're saying. And you, you're just selling different products than me because I can throw any kind of makeup in a flat rate envelope and know that it's going to be under $4. Yeah. Well, and I've got like certain um, collectible figurines that I'm pricing at $500. Right. Um, and that I just, the dimensions and everything. I mean, it, eBay quotes me at anywhere, depending on location of the buyer, eBay quotes me 50 to $80. And it's like, that's a huge difference. And that cuts into my profit. And I'm just, I just can't figure it out. But on Facebook, it's 20. Right. Because it, it's the the weight category of the five to ten pounds hearing you guys go it's it's awesome hearing you guys go back and forth on this and that you're also having a bit of you know you that you still have questions or you still have a bit of struggle trying to to master this art of, of flipping and that it's cool hearing that you both come at it at different angles different approaches and I, I love hearing the differences there um, guys, thanks for uh, being with us on the spaces tonight. We love it. Um, if you have any questions, DM Clint. Uh, he's at the top here. I am Coach Clint. And also you could request the microphone if you wanted to um, ask Nikki or Tom uh, any question about flipping or how to get started. Um, hey, Steve, I myself have so many questions. Could, Nikki, could yeah. you touch on your um, camper rental and exactly what you're doing with that? Because that was kind of when I found you, I was just like, that is so smart. Why am I not doing that? And just kind of give everyone <laughs> an idea of what you're doing exactly with that. So basically, the way we even got started, RVing has been like the retirement goal for my husband and I. Like when the kids are out of the house, like we just have, we, it's always been our dream to just sell everything and just travel the world and go visit all four kids wherever they happen to land. But then we kept, we kept talking about it and that was always just the retirement goal. And apparently when you have four kids and two adults, hotel rooms no longer allow six people in a room. Um, they want two rooms and it just adds up. And so we finally were like, well, maybe this shouldn't be a retirement goal. Maybe this should be, something that we do and we actually do on vacation because it's cheaper than two hotel rooms. Um, we even, you know, um, being as frugal as I am, we, for when the babies were quiet, like we could, we could hide it. We could lie, you know, and say there's only three of us or there's only four, but now we are a force to be reckoned with wherever we are. There's no hiding. Um, so, but the biggest thing holding us back from the RV was the monthly note and then it just dawned on us one day that well i i manage our out of state um single family homes why not just treat the rv like a single family home or a short term rental and why not have other people pay for the note for us and so we bought the rv we bought our first one and i had absolutely no clue what i was doing and we put it on um, outdoorsy.com. And the first renter that rented it from us actually had to teach me 
how to do certain things because I had absolutely, again, absolutely no idea what I was doing. Um, and he was super impressed with the RV and he came back and he told me all of the features that it had. And I was super impressed with the RV as well. Um, and he taught me how to do certain things and that helped me rent to the next person. Um, and then because we truly did buy it for us to be able to use, we actually lost a lot of profit because we like July 4th, well, July 4th this year, we actually um, rented it to someone who was wanting to do a firework stand, but we lost a lot of profit because we on like certain three day weekends, we wanted it because that was when my husband could take off. So I asked my husband if he minded if we uh, saved enough money to figure out how to get another RV that while we were using our RV and we couldn't rent it out, if we could rent out a new one. So we just purchased another one. Um, what a week again, I feel like time is just, I, I don't even know where time's going, but uh, a week or two weeks ago, maybe um, I just got the VIN inspected today. Um, and then I have to get it registered and then come mid March, hopefully it starts getting warm. We can start getting both of them on outdoorsy.com and RV share. I hope to be able to explain, um, to expand to that platform to just get more exposure there. So, and that just brings in more money. Nikki, that's awesome. My husband and I had a, a similar thought when the, the property that we bought had a really dilapidated mobile home. And so we had a sewer hookup and a 50 amp. And I turned to my husband. I was like, well, what if we bought an RV and rented it out? You should. And, you know, the, with the goal to pay for itself, right? The cottages are meant to pay for our main house, but the, the RV is meant to just, you know, the trailer is meant to pay for itself. So I went to, I went to put it on outdoorsy and like everything in there is like, no, it should be like out truly outdoorsy where you put it, not in my driveway in the downtown tourist town. So I didn't end up putting it on there, but what do you guys do for sewer? That's the big question I always have with these. Two ways. Um, we've done a lot of where we, I deliver it and I end up paying or they, I charge a $50 fee for them to use the toilet, the sewer system, because it, we can put fresh water in the fresh water tank. So we've had a couple rentals. So they, let's see the fireworks stand. And then we had a, a barbecue competition. So they wanted the fresh water tank filled and they use the toilet and we charge dumping fee. So as long as they don't, and we ask them to continually check how, you know, the, how full the tanks are, as long as they don't go over, it's fine. And then I charge them the dumping fee. And then when I get to the storage unit that has a dumping station, I just dump it myself and then sanitize it properly. And I know that it's been done properly. Um, that's pretty much, it's never been an issue. Okay. So the storage place has, has the sewer. Yeah. Okay. Yes. No, I was that, about that. And not all storage places do. So that was something that when I was shopping around for storage places, I wanted. I wanted to make sure that it had um, an air station for tires and a dumping fee as well. Okay. Gotcha. That, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Awesome. Well, so yeah. our, uh, just one more thing. Sorry, Steve. My husband made this amazingly detailed guide for our camper and it has in there, you know, to check the gauges Yes. But the gauges are broken and mm. probably 30 people have stayed in there and two people have mentioned it to us. Hey, it looks like it's full. I'm like, ha, it's not. The gauge <laughs> is broken. But only two people have said anything. <laughs> That's and awesome. I, and unfortunately, like uh, 
from what I've been told, and we're not buying. So the first RV that we bought was 23,000 and the second one was 17,000. So we're not, I'm not, I'm, I'm only buying RVs that our Tahoe can tow because if I can't deliver it to the renter, I can't, I don't, I don't have the ability to rent it out. And so we're not buying high ticket RVs to begin with. But from what I understand, if it's not a expensive RV, it's made pretty cheaply. And so that's not uncommon for the sensors to not work. Um, toilet paper gets stuck on it and you just have to do like a black tank flush. Um, and then it, it basically clears it out. Yeah. Nikki, I've always found your RV rental story. Absolutely incredible. Um, I have a trailer myself and I wish I could, uh, and it inspires me to, to get out there and get renting it. I kind of sitting on this thing. I love it. Love using it. And, uh, your story makes me want to get into that, uh, that side of it with outdoorsy. You um, should. I don't, I don't think you have anything to lose. They offer the insurance they do, you know, other than time. I mean, that is right. Yeah. Time. But other than that, I mean, depending on the platform, they have you covered. Hmm. Oh, I need to, yeah, and we, we wrote about that together. Yeah, I need to look into it some more. Uh, I wanted to give Brianna a chance to, to, she had a question or something that she wanted to share with us. I want to give her a chance to, to do that. But to those who are also listening, if you have any questions or um, side hustle income that you would like to share or talk about, please request uh, the microphone, come on up and, and share it with us. And, or if you have any questions also, uh, DM Clint, uh, Coach Clint here at the top here, and uh, we'll we'll bring those forward and and ask the panel here about anything to do with flipping or side hustle incomes. And uh, Brianna, if you just want to take the microphone there and uh, let us know what your thoughts are or the question that you had. Hi, I wanted to know if anybody had any tips on how to price handmade items because I crochet and I've made a lot of different things. But the only thing that has sold was a $5 pack of reusable cotton rounds. Where are you sell? What platform are you selling them on? Facebook Marketplace. So That's the I... only place that it sold. Okay. Do you have, and I, I don't, because I haven't done Etsy, um, but I, as soon as you said handmade, I naturally think Etsy because that is such a, you know, um, good platform for handmade items. Have you looked to see what the market price is showing on Etsy for those things? No, I've only posted my things on there, but I didn't really look. I would see, and I, you know, I would see, um, and definitely take a look and see what your competitors, um, are selling them as, um, Facebook marketplace, Etsy. I know, um, Amazon even has, I haven't, I haven't done anything on it because I don't do anything handmade, but Amazon has a um, handmade sort of platform. Oh, yeah. Amazon handmade. Yeah. And so that might be even something, even if you don't list it on there, that could be a really good resource for you to look at for pricing wise. Okay. Yeah. And Brianna, as soon as you said what you were making, I immediately typed in Etsy pricing handmade crochet 
And there's a young woman who uh, asked the exact same question you did. And she has 27 replies. And it looks like people actually went to her, her in the replies, went to her Etsy store and gave her uh, exact feedback on some of the things she was pricing, some of the ways she was describing uh, the items that she'd made. So it, it looks like they have a very good resource in the Etsy community uh etsy forums and then uh there's a woman named tiger hooks cc who asked the same question you did okay and really quick um i know that when it comes and i'm assuming that etsy is the same way but i know that when it comes to amazon and listings um in order to make your listing get more views it's all about keywords um keywords like search terms and what they're looking for. So maybe adding in those um, particular search terms on your listings would help drive more traffic and then you can get those into conversion sales. Okay. Yeah. I, I learned about SEO when I was in web development. Yeah. yeah so perfect. if she yeah, had... It's going to work. It's perfect for you then. If she was making like little tiny hats for like babies or something, but like shower gifts or something in the search, something like that, Nikki? See, my competition is um, people give those things away for free. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 that's a terrific suggestion, Nikki. And then I think, Brianna, like you were saying, you have the SEO experience, so you know all about keywords and how to place them and where to place them and stuff. So um, hopefully that can produce some yep. results for you. For for me, when we invested in a photo box um, for my eBay listings, my sales doubled. It was well worth the $59 to get it because if you can make that thing look like a million bucks, they're going to give you a lot more money for it. And I mean, some of the makeup is just photographed so well that they're paying more for it just because of my photo and the time and the lighting that I put into it. So that's one thing that's worked for me um, to, to really move my product and sell it. If I get a good picture and I get it all cleaned up and looking great, they're going to they're gonna buy it. Oh, yeah. I can definitely improve on my photos. And to bring to what Tom, to bring to what Tom said, um, I did like a whole brand management course for Amazon because it, I've, I'm trying to see if that's something that I want to go down. Um, and one of the things that uh, is really important is not only the picture of the item, but the picture of the item in use. So a hat's really nice, but how does it look on the infant? Um, you know, and so then that the, the buyer can then see, okay, this is how it would be in use. So it, it automatically gets more, um, it just gets more meaning to the item. That's great feedback, Nikki. I have two more questions from people, so I'm going to get those out there so we can make sure we get everyone's questions in. Thanks, Brianna, for stepping up. If anyone else has questions, put up your hand and, and we'll get you up on stage. The first question is from Evelyn, and this is for Nikki and Tom. She has a question about Amazon FBA. Specifically, she thought that Amazon had a lot of restrictions about what brands you could sell on there. And last she saw it, it seemed the FBA fees were pretty high. How do you get uh, approval for selling certain products? And what's the minimum ROI you look for on those products to make up for the fees that are being charged? 
That is a great question. When I first, so when I first started FBA and I really was half-assed doing it, like that is when I made my most mistakes. And I think the biggest thing that helped me, um, I really don't like pushing, spending a lot of money on trying something out, um, especially when you're already paying the high fees to sell. But one thing that really got me was joining um, a reselling group. Um, for me, it was Products for Profit, PFP. Um, and it was a monthly fee and I only did it for so long to kind of just get my feet wet and kind of understand it. And they basically post a lot of leads. Some of the leads are really good. Some of the leads turn into bus. I mean, not everything is going to be a, a great deal. Um, but, uh, having a community of people like sharing how they got ungated, which uh, you were saying that the restrictions for Amazon, they do have a lot of restrictions. And in order to be able to sell, you have to apply to sell um, that particular brand or in that particular category. So my biggest goal, since I knew toys was going to be my one, a big thing, I really wanted Legos. So finding out how to get ungated in Legos and you have to buy 10 of a certain item from a distributor or a manufacturer. Um, and joining this group helped me um, figure out what distributor I wanted to buy from and buy 10 items of those and then send an invoice into Amazon. And some, depending on the person that you have, your application gets approved immediately. And sometimes it doesn't. Like Legos for me, it got denied. And so I was so defeated and I went back to the group and was like, they denied me. Um, and I tried exactly what you told me to do. And they're like, try it again. Do the exact same thing. Don't change anything. Just try it again. And I did. And the person who saw my application then um, approved it. And so then I was ungated. Like, And I'm not ungated in everything. I want to be able to get ungated in Nike. Um, I feel like that will open up more doors of opportunity for me and more money. Um, but the more items you get ungated in and the more items you sell, you stop having to jump through so many hoops and prove the invoices. Um, and you just naturally, like as soon as you hit apply to sell, like you're immediately approved. So I used to not be um, uh, allowed to sell certain Fisher price items. Um, but now that I'm selling more toys, just last week I went in and I knew I, I, well, I thought I wasn't approved to sell this, but I scanned it anyway because it's like, why not? I'm here. And I scanned it and it said I wasn't approved, but I could apply. I applied and then it, it immediately approved me. Now that item turned out to not be anything that I could actually make money off of, but the fact I, I now know that I can sell Fisher Price items. Now, when it comes to what I look for in return, I really, really want to get 50 to 60% of the purchase price um, after Amazon fees. Um, and that's when an item is a really hot item. Um, but I'm okay with doing like a 20 to 30% after paying Amazon fees. I hope I answered everything. I'll dive into the next question. And it's a, a little bit of a mixed one, less about the side hustle, although I, I feel like it does feed into it. And each of us can chime in with our, our own uh, theory on this one. So this is from Monetize Money. And he's saying, uh, would love if you guys talk about growing a Twitter page from the bottom. And so I think for each of us, uh, Twitter is a way to build the profile, which then allows us to sell. And 
the things I would throw at you monetize money while you're a small account, the easiest way to be seen is to retweet from larger accounts and comment on 30 to 50 large accounts per day. Obviously, you don't want to do it in a way where it's uh, spammy on their accounts or they'll block you. And what you should be looking to do is every tweet that you do on one of their accounts should be something that's high enough quality and value add that it's retweetable. And sometimes they'll actually retweet your tweet. The other thing that I believe is very valuable is, you know, in, in Steve, uh, who's up here is excellent example of this lean into what you're really strong at. Uh, Steve, since you really started uh, leaning into uh, crypto, leaning into your blogs, and instead of just having the blogs, turning them into threads, you've doubled your account size in two months. So that's been phenomenal. And I am a big believer in the um, joining the right communities. I'd say create 24-7. It's called Masterclass 24-7. Absolutely phenomenal group to join when you're just starting your account. The information they provide, uh, like there's no way that that is not worth 10 to 100 times more than I spent to get into that group and to learn from the people that are in there. Uh, pretty much every big name that you see on Money Twitter is, uh, is in that group. So it's beyond valuable. I'll pass it on to whoever wants to uh, chime in. Um, I'll, I'll go next. <clears throat> Thanks, Clint. Um, so gr- growing your Twitter account, um, it is a lot of fun. Uh, my, my first recommendation of it is, uh, Clint didn't touch on this, uh, is your profile page. Having a nice, clean banner uh, that people can identify with, that resonates with your message that you're going to be sharing. Having a quick profile line. Like, there's a reason why mine is only one line. I try to get it as quick as possible. Show you what I am, what I do, and how I can help you. And then... Uh, I want my profile picture to reflect that as well, too, and kind of have everything kind of going together. I share my personal, like, that's me. That's my personal picture. I share that because I want to build trust with the audience and the people that I treat with um, because I want to help you. So there's just little tiny things that you bring together to kind of build what that brand and that profile is. And then when I tweet, I try to... Communicate one thought or two and be as quick as possible. Um, People are just scrolling by. They don't want to hear a long ramble about five different things that you thought about that you think is incredible. I want to give you one idea and then hopefully you're going to like it and then you're going to comment and you're going to retweet it. So I try to keep my stuff as tight as possible. Uh, Another tool that helps out a lot is... Uh, I know, Tom, you use this. I use it. It's Zalapo.com. It schedules my tweets, and they try to optimize the time throughout the day that they get um, uh, tweeted out or pushed or published or I don't know what you call it, post. Uh, And then one thing I recently started doing was posting at, what is it, like 2.43 in the morning, like 2.43 a.m. And that's going to be... 
4.43 a.m. Eastern time. And so when I wake up, there'll usually be something to interact with or engage with right out of the gate. So I'm doing this late night, early morning. I don't know how, whatever you want to call it. See if I get any engagement there because there's a lot of, because my, my brand is with a lot of, of the stuff that I'm tweeting about is with crypto and the crypto is pretty big in Europe. So I'm trying to grab a little bit of that audience as well too. Uh, and so trying to grab that before I wake up. And so most of the times I'm waking up and there's a lot to, to engage with already coming out of the gate. And then like Clint was saying too, you can't um, emphasize that enough is, is working with a community of like minded or like branded accounts. So um, I'll, I have DMS open almost all day long where I'm working with other guys we're sharing ideas, we're sharing tweets, we're sharing ideas of how to, to grow your account and stuff. And so DMing people that you identify with and you have a strong brand alignment with, um, and then you share ideas and share tweets with. So to summarize, um, having a good scheduling application really helps. I think there's more than just awful.com. Um, keep your tweets tight. Less words is always better. I can't emphasize that enough long tweets just yeah people just scroll by they don't have the time to to write about or read about that um and then having a community that you work with and uh you'll fly uh lauren or tom do you guys want to go next i'll just say that um my tweets that get a good amount of interaction they have like emojis in them or you know like the little sirens or the charts or the money symbols or whatever once i started like throwing those in kind of gratuitously uh, those tweets started getting more interaction. That's my only, only plug right now. I'm still, I'm still learning from you, Stephen. I gotta start doing the more emojis then, because that's I haven't heard of that. Like it makes total sense, and I, and you know, now that you say that, it kind of resonates. It goes through, but I'm gonna start really hitting it hard tomorrow on the on the emojis. <laughs> I I echo Stephen and Clint definitely. There's one. So my most popular tweets are the ones where I am brutally honest and talk about how I lost twenty two thousand dollars on a deal. So my failure tweets are like the ones that get retweeted and the most interaction. Um, I like to keep it real. I like to tell you guys when I buy, you know, a pallet of garbage from bulk that I ended up throwing away. Um, Cause I don't like when people make real estate all butterflies and perfect. Cause it's definitely not. And I mean, just since I've been doing spaces, I had a tenant text me about a broken garbage disposal. And when you keep it real and you keep it short. So everything that Steven and Clint are saying and, Lauren, you know I put emojis on everything anyway, or gifts or whatever. That, that's what people like, and and that's you know that's when I get interaction with my tweets, is, is when I keep it real. That's another good point too that I'll add on that. Um, if you're good at memes, they can be super powerful. Uh, some guys can't hit them right, but if you can nail it, uh, they are super super powerful. So I use an application called Mematic. And uh, give it a shot. See if you can um, fire off a meme. If you, if you have a good one that sales, uh, you'll get a ton of followers off of that. And uh, again, on that mind, uh, the mental calories on that. So um, I tried a meme once that I thought in my mind was super, super good. But it didn't land because it was too... 
uh, there was just too it's too much thinking and like what are you trying to say just kind of i don't get the message so you got to hit it really hard low mental calories keep it simple and if it's funny it'll 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 take off so it, it, i think it's worth a try for everyone clint i haven't seen you do a meme yet no I think, no I think it's, not yet not not my uh, mo but i i just realized <laughs> something that we hadn't said and you definitely need to focus on when you're smaller. So their thread writing is your best friend for growing your account. And what you want to do with your thread writing, depending on what direction you want to go with, with your account long term, you want to make sure that you're writing threads that tell your story and generally that's your version of a hero's journey right where did i come from what's happened along the way what's made me the human that i am and and what did i have to overcome if you really want to see a good one for that check out kieran and check out uh, Joey Justice. It used to be Joey Cypreneur and he actually has a thread about why it's now Joey Justice absolutely phenomenal thread writer so that's your backstory that's your hero's journey and that draws an insane amount of follows the other one you want to do is you want to write threads that are for authority so if you look at steve you must have picked up over a thousand followers when you wrote your thread on mining Right. And and for me, anytime I write a thread or a tweet that talks about my and, and Steve was the one who kind of forced me to do this. I was scared to do it. Uh, anyone, anytime I write a thread that involves uh, my assets or uh, something to do with net worth, I usually like yesterday I wrote a I, I wrote something that mentioned uh, crypto uh, holdings and real estate holdings and you end up adding an, a couple hundred followers. So it's really focusing on those threads and making sure th there's a lot of recipes for threads. And this is why I recommend Masterclass 24-7 or just getting in with the right group. I just saw Drew drop in here. Drew's an absolutely phenomenal human and someone you should follow. Uh, he's getting his thread game up and I keep pushing him to write uh, more threads because he has so much knowledge to share. Um, make sure that every tweet in your thread can be retweeted as a standalone tweet. When you do that, you just get so much traction for that thread. And you should be, with threads like that, you should be pulling in a couple hundred followers. And you have to get the right retweets. That's why you need to be in the right engagement groups. You need to create the, the right friendship circles. Uh, Steve, uh, I think everyone on, on the call here, and Tom and Lauren, the three of them, anytime we talk about potential guests, it seems like they all know every single person on money twit Twitter, uh, Twitter, like they were all friends with Nikki. They're all friends with all the other people. I don't know how they talk to so many human beings, but uh, talk to a lot of people, network, 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 network. That's right. Your, uh, your net worth is your net worth. And uh, I kind of agree hundred percent. Really good. Really good points there. Hooch, you've been waiting, I think, 20 minutes uh, to grab the microphone. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what you're uh, – if you got a good, good question or something to add or 
you got a side hustle gig that you want to share or some knowledge that you want to impart with us, buddy. But the microphone's yours, man. Uh, what do you got for us? I appreciate it. My question is more so, I guess, open to anybody, but how do you guys, um, I guess, balance it with your spouses? I, I've been married for a while. I love my wife, but I f- and she works part-time. Uh, I work full-time. I work a ton. Uh, which doesn't bother me, but I, f- I feel like at times if I could get my wife uh, sort of engaged or into some side hustles, she'd probably do better, uh, I mean, monetarily overall than just sort of working, you know, part-time customer service slash, you know, training uh, jobs. So I was just wondering, like, how the side hustle uh thing goes over with spouses and significant others so can tom you want to speak first or can i speak really quick you go okay so interestingly enough with fba it was my husband that really started to want to do this um we were listening to um full-time fba podcast and he was like i think you should do it i was like well i think that's wonderful that you think i should do it And because it sounded like a a lot of time and I kept thinking with four kids, what, when am I going to have time to do this? What? And this is why I made all the mistakes because I didn't actually take the time to learn um, anything. And I kind of just went in without, you know, I went in with my eyes closed. Um, But then he, so he got me in on it when he was like, Hey, date day, let's go scan items. And he, we, we started scanning together instead of, him asking me because I already had other side hustles I didn't need another one to add Um, but he asked me to join along and when I did it turned into this us time time away from the kids um, and just scanning things and who could find the better scan and it turned into this just let's do this together and then it kind of got to where okay well he's got a full-time job and I stay home you know what what can we do division of labor wise like what can he do really well when he's at work during you know um during his time in between visiting locations so he might still stop for me at a Walmart that I would never be able to get to um And so I feel like maybe going in um, with your wife instead of saying, this is something I think that you do really good at um, or adding something to her workload per se, even if that's not something that you're trying to do, um, she could take it like that because I did. Um, I think maybe saying, hey, let's try doing this together um, and seeing if it's a natural fit for her. I think that would be your best bet. I can say with my husband, it's it's a team effort. He he mails, he sources merchandise with me. And how I did that is he's really shopping for himself while we're sourcing merchandise. And then he's very good at finding um, great product. Uh, we were looking for, he wanted tea. He wanted tea, Vanna tea, certain flavors. And he's digging through this gigantic box of, of tea. And he found three brand new Garmin watches that are $4.00 in this bin. So we make it a a group effort. He helps me ship. He helps me with real estate. He will paint with me. So we kind of go at it together. Um, I mean, I list everything on eBay. He lists everything on our local pickup apps. And when we do it, you know, a lot of times like on Friday nights, we'll come sit in bed to watch a movie, but we're sitting here listing merchandise or, or organizing or peeling clearance stickers. 
So it's a, it's a group effort and it's not my job. It's not his job. It's both of our jobs. And, and we've made it very six. And, you know, he's started to grow his real estate now through, through flipping money as well. So if you make it for both of you and you sell it that way, and I know he loves to do it because he can go source merchandise for himself. Um, and he always comes home with a, a pajama set or some, I don't know. It's every time we go anywhere, he finds something he magically needs. It, it makes it a whole lot more enjoyable for both of us. I, I think my approach, I, I just get in trouble, uh, would be my simple answer. My wife uh, always suggests that I don't have enough time for the family. Although I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in my separate man cave in the backyard and I'm looking up in her bedroom window and she's at her, at her little laptop set up. Uh, she's got the desk in the bedroom so I can see her through our bedroom window working away. So it's not like she's uh, not doing the same thing. She, she tends to, um, she uses COVID really well to juggle her time during the day to be able to take the boys to activities and uh, do things she needs to do around the house. But then it means she kind of just always seems to be working. Uh, and with all of my various side hustles, I just try to fit them in around family. So like, I think I did a podcast recording at five o'clock in the morning on, on Tuesday and before work. And uh, I work a lot less hours than I used to uh, hooch. So, you mentioned working a lot. I used to probably work 60 plus hours a week and I don't do that anymore. I have a really good team. So I'm probably down in the 45 to 50 hour range, which gives me another, you know, 10 to 15, 20 hours, 30 hours to kind of do uh, side hustling. And I, I realized as well, when we talked about uh, Twitter and how to grow your Twitter, um, I know how often Steve's on here and I know how much time I spend on here. That almost becomes a job in and of itself. And so probably 20 plus hours a week spent on, on Twitter between writing, um, content, engaging, and even just building relationships with people and then getting set up for spaces with Lauren and Tom and Steve and, uh, pulling in a, a new guest speaker this week. It was great to have you, Nikki, and to meet you. This is the first time we've had a chat. So between all of that, it's pretty much a job in and of itself. And, and so really just having those, uh, oh, Curtis jumped on and Curtis wrote a definitive guide for, uh, relationships. And, uh, just as I was about to say it, it's all about the communication with your partner and having those conversations to make sure you're on the same page. And if you're on the same page and you agree on what time you can spend and when, and, and you're both aligned, then give it, right? Use that time the way that you agree is the right way to use it. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for joining Curtis. I want you to request the microphone or uh, Lauren, if you can hand it over to him. I'd be interested in hearing his opinion on this. Um, Curtis, the question, I don't know if you caught the question. Maybe you can infer what it was, but basically balancing marriage and time and family and side hustle and work and kind of finances and bringing everything together there. So I'd be interested on your opinion on this because you're almost kind of the, you're almost the expert on this in money Twitter. And I love the message that you're sharing um, I'm going to forego my my answer on this. I want to let Lauren have hers, and then Curtis, if you if you could get that microphone, I I want to hear from you, man. I just invited hey. Curtis. Okay, cool. Hey, yeah, I just gotcha. got here. Sorry, you guys are kind of throwing me into the fire here. I was got yeah. This and... this is money Twitter, man. We we put you in, <laughs> and this is a hot seat right off the bat. And uh, you got to be able to roll with the punches. I'm sorry, man, but 
you, I want to know your your suggestion on this because you're yeah. yeah. Well, I think like you know one of the things, especially when it comes to you know a spouse, is we don't do a good enough job at understanding where our partner is coming from. And we don't have those conversations that we need to have most of the time. So instead, we just go about our day-to-day life, and we really just kind of just go with the flow. We go to work, we come back home, we eat dinner, have some family time, and then we may end up, you know, going into the room working on our side hustle, working at whatever that is. And we don't actually have those moments to sit down and talk with our spouse. And I think a lot of it is getting to the hopes and the dreams of, of everyone. And so you can do this through, you know, regularly scheduled conversations and just check-ins because it's so, so important to, to really understand each other's motivations. And actually it's really, really funny. Me and my wife, part of the reason I wasn't here, were just having that exact conversation. I was asking about, you know, kind of what my next steps are and trying to get it from her perspective. And she, we had this conversation where she was saying, well, I know part of the reason that you're doing this is you want to be challenged. You want to, have to have to do something like you want to have to push yourself at something. And we never had that conversation. I knew that was my internal motivation, but we'd never talked about it. And so me feeling and knowing that she understood that that's where I'm coming from really helped align us even further than we already were aligned. So I think it's just about having those conversations um, and being very intentional about Uh, making that a regular occurrence because these things, you know, side hustles or, or whatever hobby it is, they can take over your life so, so quickly. And so I think it's important that we're intentional about putting boundaries on that. So awesome. Curtis, thank you so much for that. Terrific words of wisdom and congrats again on that viral treat tweet that you had today. Uh, I think you got, what's it at? 2,600. 2700 yeah, now. Yeah, it was crazy. Is it 2600? It's like got over a hundred thousand impressions. Uh, yeah, that by far the craziest tweet I've had. And I had another one that so my for the first time ever, I had over 200,000 impressions in a day. Just insane. Insane. <laughs> is it pin, is it pinned on your profile? Like it's got to be like a Hall of Fame frame <laughs> on your wall. Like. Yeah, I, I haven't pinned it yet. I got still got other stuff pinned, but I need I'm going to be pinning it soon. So yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, Curtis, uh, for joining us. And congrats again on that viral tweet. Um, it's it's incredible, man. When I saw that, it popped on my feet. I'm like, WTF? Oh, my gosh. He's off to the moon with this one, man. Congratulations. Everyone, thank you for joining us. We're going we're gonna to wrap the session here. Uh, if you haven't already, follow everyone on the panel here. Uh, Nikki, the frugal gay, adulting is easy. Uh, Coach Clint, Curtis as well, and myself. Uh, We'd love to interact with you guys. DM us. Love interacting with you guys every single day on Money Twitter. It's an incredible space. It's awesome to learn everything that everyone's doing to make money 
and improve your financial future. And we really appreciate you guys joining with us tonight. And we hope that we've um, provided some value for you tonight. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone.